Isn't, isn't the good news about Jesus just absolutely amazing? I mean, if how many of you, I hope all of us, have experienced just that life change, a new joy that comes, a peace, something different, something new to aim for, a purpose in our lives. All kinds of things radically change because of the gospel. And when we see it for what it is and what it does in our lives, don't we want to be effective in sharing that good news, the gospel? When we serve, don't we want to be effective so that people can see Christ and understand that? Don't we want to be as ready as possible to share the good news? I hope so. I think so. I am. I really want to. But there is something very important underneath everything that we do. We want to be effective, but we have to do it for the right reasons. There's a reason that we share the gospel. It's great to want to be equipped and be effective and to go to classes. And how many of you have done evangelism classes? And how many of us have gone on with other people to to learn how they share the gospel? How many of us have listened to apologetics so that we have the right answers or can start to build answers for ourselves and work on all these things? And those things are wonderful and great. But there is something underneath all of that. We want to be ready to share the gospel. We need to have the right motives to share the gospel. Now, motives can make a huge difference in our lives. Think about what motivates you to do different things. Maybe some of us are motivated by this thing that tells us that we haven't taken enough steps today. So we'll get out and we'll go take some more steps. Maybe some of us are motivated by fear. There's plenty of fear going on right now in our country and worldwide. Maybe that drives some of us. Maybe we're angry at someone and that motivates us forward. Maybe it's success or power or, you know, being in a good standing with certain people. Who knows? Who knows what motivates you deep down in your heart? God does. But do you realize what's there? Because it makes all the difference in the world. If we have the right motivations, we will be more effective in sharing the gospel. I noticed in my life how important motives were when I was in high school and I was playing basketball. When I went out for basketball my junior year in Shoshone, I, I decided that I was going to simply go to play. I realized that I had probably stopped growing as a junior. I was never going to be taller than this. I have a shorter than average wingspan. I have the hops of someone shorter than my height and wingspan. I'm not going to be a professional player, but I wanted to have fun. And so that was my pure motive. That really is as much as I I let it be at. And you know what? I had a blast that year. I even played on the freshman team, and I didn't care because I just wanted to have fun. And I did. It was a great year. However, the next year, my senior year, I said, I even told God, I want to do it for the same reasons. I want to go out and have fun. But somewhere deep down, something else crept in. And all of a sudden, I wanted to be a little better. I wanted to have a little more playtime. I don't know exactly where it was, but I do know that by the end of the year, I hated it. I almost quit. Out of principle, I didn't, but I really didn't like where things had wound up. Maybe the drama got to me, men's basketball drama, if that's such a thing. But the motivation, that little one degree off true north, made all the difference in how that sports year went. And so, being true north in our motivation for sharing the gospel is really, really important. Now, as we get into 1 Thessalonians, we're reading about Paul and how he's writing a letter 
to this group in Thessalonica. It's a really young baby church. He had gone, and you can read about this in Acts 17. He had gone there, and he was only able to speak about the gospel for three Sabbaths, three Saturdays worth of preaching about it. That's not a very long time. And then right after, and amazingly, first of all, first, he he was able to see many people. Many people came to Christ. They were convinced and convicted, and they came to Christ. And that was an amazing thing there. However, the leaders in that town shortly after that, after just three times of getting to really share it publicly, they ran him out of town. Now, can you imagine being those new believers that are there? They heard the gospel. Things were changing in their lives. But all of a sudden, the guy that had talked to them about that was being ran out of town. He was being canceled. He was not going to be able to be there and teach them anymore. Do you think that maybe that they would question his motives for that? Did he really come to do this for the right reasons, or was I duped? I think I would have questioned that. And so Paul is writing this young church to say, you're good. It's okay. We were ran out of town, but here's my underlying motives. That's what this section right here is. It's, guys, everything was okay. Here's my heart. Here's what I was trying to do. Here's why I was trying to do it, so that they could see that it was a trustworthy message. And as he writes this, he expresses three ways that that he did things with the right motives. He uses the, the picture of three kinds of people to describe his motives for this young church. One of them is as he had the motives of a child. And then he says that he had the motives like a mother and then that of a father. And so we're going to look at those three today together. So look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 with me. And we're going to read just verses 1 through the first part of 7. So 7a. Let's read that together. Paul says this, You know, brothers and sisters, so fellow believers, that our visit to you was not without results, because people did come to Christ. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, which you can read about in Acts chapter 16, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you the gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. So Paul lays out these motives, these underlying reasons that he came to them and says, guys, we really wanted to do this the right way. We didn't want it to come up from impure reasons. We're not trying to trick you. And so he points to the fact that that's how the best of children are. In fact, children aren't always perfect, but have you ever noticed how transparent children are? How easily you can see their motives? I was recently looking at some quotes from Kids Say the Darnest Things. Do you guys remember that TV show? There's been a few different hosts over time, and they kind of uh, interview these kids and get them to say some really hilarious things. And here's some quotes that, that were 
were derived from that. One of them was about a three-year-old girl who was playing with her dollhouse with her mother. And the mother sat down and said, hey, who do I get to be out of these dolls? And the daughter said, you get to be the one who does the dishes. <laughs> See, she wasn't trying to people-please her mom. There was a really raw, transparent motive behind that. There's another one where a, a, a kid came to his parent and said, did you know that milk sometimes spills? And the parent, catching on real quick, said, did you spill the milk? Yes. <laughs> and so there was an honesty, an openness and honesty from that child. Or I remember one time that we had Martin in our house, a friend of ours that some of you know, and Saleh came up to him and said, Martin, I sure do appreciate you, but I don't appreciate your looks. Oh, okay. And Martin just burst out laughing, and he thought it was hilarious. Uh, I don't think she knew quite what she was saying as little three-year-old Saleya, but she wasn't trying to flatter anybody in that moment either. And so kids can be kind of brutally honest, pretty blunt. They aren't trying to, you know, when they're, they're that transparent, they don't have to try to lie or deceive, but there's just that openness, that authenticity behind what they're saying. And when we see that, we can see what our underlying motive should be when we're trying to share the gospel. And this is what Paul points out. We're not trying to trick anybody. We should be like a child, just straightforward. We're not trying to convince people to, to believe in the gospel because, I don't know, because we get brownie points in heaven or something like that, because we get to heaven because of it or something like that. There's no fault, should be no trickery. Like we're trying to dupe them into something. We can be straightforward about it. We can be very trustworthy and honest, and in all of our actions and all of our words, it expresses the trustworthiness and the truth of the gospel. And if we twist that up and are trying to do it for any other reason, trying to, to maybe say things that we don't really have the answers for and, and pretend or anything like that, that will diminish how effective we are as, uh, as we share the gospel. It's a wrong motive. We're not trying to flatter people. We're not trying to be like, you know, the stereotypical car salesmen. We're not trying to, to you know, pump someone up and be like, oh, this is going to be so great. Everything's going to be perfect. And in fact, not everything's going to be perfect, but there will be deep down life change. So we're not trying to flatter people as we share the gospel. And we're not trying to do it for greed, for money, as Paul points out here. In fact, I think that's something that when you turn on the TV, the world sees. If you've ever turned on the TV and thought that person is probably trying to do it for money, Anybody, from the, anybody else is probably turning on the TV and seeing the same thing, and it's diminishing their ability to share the gospel. And so when money gets in the way, when it becomes a motive, it's a dangerous thing to the gospel. And we don't do it to try to get praise from other people. For one, most importantly, it's not about us anyway. <laughs> We're not the ones actually causing life change in people's hearts. Have you ever heard the story about the mouse and the elephant that went across the swinging bridge? And when they get to the other side, the side of that swinging bridge, the mouse looks at the elephant and says, boy, we sure shook that bridge. He didn't do anything. We get to have a little bit of role. We get to walk alongside God, but he's doing the transformation in people's hearts. And so if we're doing it for praise from people, then we're doing it for completely the wrong reasons. And I think we need to be really careful about this, like Paul is talking about, because people can sense our motives. People... I think humans have a very built-in innate ability to sniff out fakeness. 
A kid can see it in a teacher, we can see it in each other, and if we aren't right and pure with our motives, people are going to sniff that out right away. And it's going to diminish from our effectiveness of sharing the gospel. So we need to be like a child, very transparent, pure in our motives, and why we're doing that, sharing the gospel. But next, Paul brings up another set of motives. And this time he says that it should be patterned off of the best of what a mother is, who she is. And so let's read about that in chapter 2, verses 7b through verses 9. Paul goes on. He says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. And so look at these motherly traits that Paul is talking about here about caring and nurturing like a mother does. They want to see the best for their child. There's a love for children that a mother has for their children, an emotional affection, an attachment, a desire to just just see the best for them, truly love them. And a mother is going to share in the lives of their their kid, going to say, hey, come along, let's do this, let's do that together. Hey, how was your day? And they have that ability to just really care about what's going on as they share lives together. And then a mother, kind of like the Proverbs 31 woman, will do it night and day. Do it again and again. Do it when it's a major sacrifice because they don't want there to be any burden on the child. And so we can see in this, this is really some fantastic motives, some really important motives for us to have as we share the gospel. If we care for people, we're going to want to see the very best for them. We're going to want to see their physical needs taken care of often. We're going to want to see their emotional problems taken care of. We're going to be there for them when there's heartbreak and loss, when, when, when they have a difficult parent that they're de- dealing with, when they have a difficult child that they're dealing with, when there's disease that's come up, when someone's terminally ill, when someone's feeling abandoned, all kinds of reasons we can be there and care for them very truly. And then we can share the gospel, care for their spiritual need as well. We're also going to love them like a mother. And this means that sometimes in the middle of this hard world and all its brokenness, we're going to become attached to people who are going to hurt when they do things. It means that when we share the gospel and we truly love people, that we aren't just becoming friends for the sake of sharing the gospel, not, not just conversion friendships, but true friendships because we truly care and love for those people and are attached to them. And if they never believe in the gospel, our friendship is true. And we're going to share our time with people like a mother does. We're going to invest our time. We're going to invest resources. We're going to invite people alongside of us. We're going to spend time with people because we truly love and care for them, because that is going to be a way and an opportunity to authentically share the gospel. And then we do it day and night. We don't want to be a burden to anybody. Like Paul, you know, we can read elsewhere in Scripture of how he made tents. He didn't want to go into a town and make it, make, have it accidentally happen that people thought he was trying to get money or food from people, that he was mooching off of them. And so he took the burden of financial care on himself so that people could see the gospel. And I think that we should be ready to do whatever it takes so that the obstacle is not anything that we've done, not anything else except for truly understanding the gospel. 
So we work night and day and take the burden on ourselves as we share the gospel. And these are the things we do. These are great reasons to do them, but there's even a further motivation under that of a mother, like a mother. And so let me just ask you this. Why does your mother love you? What is the motive that, of why she does all these things? Care, love, share life, and carry the burden on herself. Was it because the very first time that there was a Mother's Day after you were born, you gave her a card? Is it because you did the dishes for her? Was it anything that you did that caused your mom to love you? No. You were born. You, you exist. And your mother loves you. And so she loves you absolutely unconditionally. And when we really, really want to have the right motivation for sharing the gospel, we do it unconditionally. Pure motives and without any other reason for having to do that. Not because people deserve it, because many people will hurt us. Many people will reject us. Many people will not accept the gospel, even if they stay alongside of us. And so it's completely unconditional. And then that leads us to the third, to the third set of motivations, and that's like a father. So let's read those verses together, verses 10 through 12. Paul writes, You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. <clears throat> For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Now, as a father, I think that I can speak to how those motives look and what's lying under that. Because I can tell you the day that Salea was born, many of my motives changed. All of a sudden, there was something new in me that I didn't know that was there before. When before, maybe I didn't mind pressing on the gas pedal a little bit more for fun. You can talk about that with me later. But as soon as she was in the car driving home, that was gone. <laughs> I wanted to protect her. I wanted to raise her up to help her to get to maturity. I wanted to protect her from all the stains and problems in this world. All it, it was up to me. And I wanted to take the time to help her to get to maturity. Part of it's protecting, but part of that is helping to raise her up and teach her and encourage her and do all the things that it takes to help her to be a mature person. Because I'm convinced, as I read the Bible, as I've just seen how life works, a child doesn't accidentally end up mature. It takes effort on the behalf of parents. And so I do what I can, of course, by the grace of God and through all my failures, showing the grace of God in, in action, but I do whatever I can to help propel my daughter there. And this is what Paul is saying that he wants for his baby church. He wants them to be protected and to grow up to maturity. And he does this in two ways. First, he says that he is going to live a certain standard himself. By the grace of God, he aims to live a life that's set apart, that's holy, that's different from the world around, that helps protect those young believers from the stains, as much as it is up to him of the world. He says that he's going to live righteously, rightly, justly, fairly, correctly, right before God and before others so that they can have that example, so that, they, so that they can experience what that's like and be trained in that. And then he also says that he aims to live a blameless moral life, again, to protect and help them and help them to grow up. He did all this so that they'd have an example to follow, 
so that they'd be protected as far as up to him. And this is how we can live out the gospel. We can look at our lives and see if we are living set apart if, or if we're taking things on that the world has influenced that are taking away from our ability to share the gospel. I think that one of the main reasons that our, our, our message can be diminished is when we don't live out what we believe. In fact, I was recently listening to a guy on YouTube, you may have heard of Jordan Peterson, and he believes the Bible tells truths, but he doesn't believe that God is real or that the Bible is God's word, if that weird distinction happens. But this is what he said. He was sitting down in an interview about if you believe in God or not, and he said, no, I don't. But I think that if people who really believed in the gospel understood it, or believed in the Bible, really understood it, they wouldn't live out, live the way that they actually do. He saw the difference between our actions and what we are supposed to believe. And there's a big difference there. And it diminishes our witness. It diminishes the ability for the gospel to really be seen in practical ways in people's lives. Hypocrisy is a horrible thing. And so we need to be careful that we protect people from that, from ourselves. But also, Paul, he doesn't just want to protect them. He also wants to be very intentional about raising them up to maturity. And he says he's going to do this by encouraging them and comforting them and urging them. Kind of like a father, kind of like we do, you know. Hey, let's go ride the bike. Come on, you can do this. Let's go learn to ride the bike. Hey, let's, let's go practice hammering something. Hey, let's plant a seed in the garden. Let's go do something together. Yeah, let's, let's, let's see something new here. And then when it, messes, when it doesn't go right, the kid falls and they hurt themselves. We can come alongside and comfort them. Or when they slam their thumb under the hammer. Or when they forget to water the seeds and nothing at all happens. We can be there to comfort them. You know what? This is where it went wrong. But you know what? It's going to be okay. You can grow from this. And then we can urge them on. You can do better this time. You are still loved. You are still accepted. But let's go to the next step. You're, you can learn this. You can learn how to ride your bike. And so as we share our message of the good news of Jesus Christ with other people, we can do exactly this. Hey, there's a new life in Christ. Believe in him. It makes a difference. We can comfort them. You believe in Jesus Christ, but you failed. You know what? You're still loved. You are still accepted by Christ. But then we urge them along as well. You know what? Keep going. Keep going. There's a community that loves you. Let's go on to the next thing and do better this time. And what I think that boils down to is that we have to be willing to take responsibility for sharing the gospel, to making sure that we live in such a way and we help them through our words and actions in such a way that they can understand the gospel as clearly as possible. And so we need to have pure motives, have a purity. We need to have, uh, uh, be, be, able, be willing to do it even though they don't deserve it unconditionally. But we also have to be responsible for the growth and the understanding in that person. God has partnered with us. He is doing the work, but he is saying, you have a certain responsibility here, and it makes a difference in people's lives. Now, as we look at those three things and kind of pull it all together, this sounds like, this sounds like a much bigger mission than any one of us going out and sharing the gospel. In fact, this sounds like the biggest mission that I can possibly find 
in the Bible, even bigger than Paul going across all of the ancient world, all over the Western world of his time. In fact, it reminds me of Christ's mission. He came, and even though we don't deserve it, he died on the cross for us. He lived a pure life so that when he died on the cross, that his sacrifice could take on all of our sin. It was a pure sacrifice, and he took the responsibility. Even though he created humans and we messed it up, not him messed up the world and the sin, he took responsibility for the problem. And so he had all the right motives, and it gives us the example, but it also gives us the life change within us when we believe in that exact gospel in order to share effectively. If we believe in Jesus Christ and what he's done, he gives us the Holy Spirit who then helps us to have our motives change. If you knew me in high school, back when I played basketball, you might have had certain perceptions about me, but you might not have known that I was completely apathetic to what was going on in the world. I, I just didn't care. <laughs> Other people didn't matter to me, hardly all. Maybe my family, yeah, yeah, of course, but, but hardly other people, I just didn't want to get attached. I didn't want to have to worry about the big issues and my motives were horrible. But bit by bit, God transformed me. Bit by bit, I gave those hurts and those problems that caused me to shut up and, and be unwilling to share the gospel like I needed to. I gave them to God. I had other people, people pray alongside me, and he changed me. And that's why I'm here today. <laughs> but he's not through with me, but he can do that for every one of us. He can change any one of our motives to his motives. And so in the end, what it means is that if we let God transform our motives to his motives, we are far more equipped, we are far more ready to share the gospel than what we know, than what we knew, than what we think. You can take a class, you can tag along with someone else, you can get whatever answers you can and dig into them and know those things, but the real thing that you need to have is a God-transformed motivation deep down in your heart, motivated and transformed because he died on the cross and rose from the grave and did everything on our behalf. And so when that's transformed, our motives should be like the best of children, straightforward and honest. It should be like the best of a mother, tireless, willing to do whatever it takes, as long as it takes to love and attach and to care and to serve and come alongside people. And we should be like a father building people up, willing to say the hard things, the important things, to confront wrong, to protect ourselves from evil so that other people aren't tainted by that and do it encouragingly and kindly. And so let's go out and share the gospel because of what Christ has done to transform us into that picture. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this day to just get to hear how you can change us. God, I pray that each of us as we look at ourselves, as we think about this, as you laid bare things in our hearts, that we would give that to you, that we would ask you to change us, that we would allow you to change us, and that we would be able to really, truly, as a whole church, share the gospel as effectively as possible. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.